are an English business trainer and your mm-hmm. motto is helping people do their job better, which to me, it's very self-explanatory, but I did resonate with that because I say that all the time as well. You know, my job as a podcaster, as a producer, as a content creator, it's my job is to make your life easier, right? That's, that's my version of exactly what you're saying. My job is to make your life less complicated for me to get out of your way. Um, but how'd you, how'd you come up with that? Because it's something so simple, but it's so effective. Um, by listening, you really need to, mm-hmm. I think a lot of trainers have their concepts ready and they sell these concepts and then they go in and do the th- same thing. You see that with salespeople. Um, you're not a good salesperson if you can't listen, but a lot of salespeople don't listen because they have their product and they have their spiel right. and that's something that they want to get across. I so say you have to listen to the client. What do they really need? What is their problem? And of course, my clients come in and say, oh, I need English. And I go like, what exactly do you need? I mean, English, there isn't even one English any longer. We talk about English is these days because there's so many different variants. Yeah. So what exactly do you need? Oh, you don't understand your colleagues from Scotland. Okay. You're afraid of giving a presentation in English. Okay. We can work on this and we can help you to do that better. So you need to listen and you need to ask the right questions and then do a very, very good needs analysis with them, with them so they can develop a plan and have very, very st- specific steps that they're going to take in order to improve or to be able to do their job in English. Different people expect different things from a trainer, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You got to go to a specific kind of trainer. But like, I also like how you said um, there's different variants of English, which I think, yeah, it's a thousand percent true. Um, American English is different from UK English or British English. Not, not, it's not even just the O-U-R, but also just in terms of different words have different meanings. Uh, like we call it a parking lot. You guys, well, they call it a car park, right? So how do you how do you deal with that on an international scale? Because you don't only teach English, and I gotta be like, okay, which English, right? Am I teaching UK English? Am I teaching Australian English? Am I teaching you know like a, a Asian English? It's it's all it's all different. So how do you how do you tackle all that? Um. The first thing that I ask is actually where people learned their English. So we have a lot of um, students who were like um, exchange students at school and they went to the US. So if they say parking lot, that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Sometimes I forget this. I say, well, you better say car park because I use car park. But sometimes they get confused. I say, no, no, it's okay to say parking lot or workers' council, even though we say car, car park and works council. So you have to be very well aware, at least of the two dominant registers, that's British and American English. Um, and sometimes you just have to look things up and say, well, if you use a specific Australian word you learned during your work and travel, you can use this in Australia, but even your American or British counterparts may not understand you. So you might you may better use a word that's more understandable. So the concept that we use a lot is intelligibility. They say, okay, it's perfectly okay to use different words. It's even okay to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody says he's not good in English, it's not grammatically correct, but it's perfectly intelligible. So you have to sort of like know a wide range of registers. And this is where the international community helps because um, I've been to the US a couple of times but I don't really have an active knowledge of some of the differences with American English. I know some, like the words for clothes or food or something or parking lot, but with some others, I really have to ask my colleagues like, so is that actually an expression? Is that what you say in the States? Um, And if my student spends some time in the States, I say, okay, go for the American English register. That's better for you. People will not be able to deal with British words. 
Yeah. It also completely depends on the coast. East Coast and West Coast talks completely <clears> different. Then <throat> you got to deal with accents, right? It's like I, I'm originally from Massachusetts, so people from New York will go, it happened the other day, right? Like it, was, it was the name Don, D-A-W-N. Um, and the way I was saying it, they thought my guest was a Don, a D-O-N. So even even here in New York, and it's we're, I've been here for six years now, so I pretty much got rid of my Boston accent. But even just a Don and Dawn with a W <laughs> is different. So even like is does that kind of stuff exist in other languages too? Like we have there and there, T H E I R and T H E R E. Does that exist in German? Does that exist in Italian? Does that exist in Swedish? Or is it really just an English thing? Um, I think register exists in every language where you have a variety of speakers. So mm. when you have Swedish, people in the south of Sweden, like uh, where you um, speak very slowly and it's strongly inflected by Danish. If you go to the north, you wonder if people speak at all. <laughs> and then you go to Stockholm and they speak pretty fast. They have this kind of sing song in their language. And that's not so easy for me to understand. So I speak Swedish fairly well, but it's really difficult to understand people in some regions. And German, is, um, German has a strong north-south divide. So the group of southern accents in particular, I actually think they're dialects. They sound like own languages. They even have different sentence structures. When people speak dialect, it's really, really difficult to understand them, like Swabian or Bavarian. And even when they try to speak standard German, their accent is quite thick. So very often you wonder, is it this word? Is it that word? Mm. Um, and there, we don't have so many words that sound the same as spelled differently, but um, we have t- three verbs, which is liegen, legen, and flügen. So it's E, E, U. And this is very difficult for learners to tell the difference because they sound so similar. So you have those words in German as well, but thankfully not as many as in English. And we write things the way we pronounce them. So there's not this difference between the way you write and the way you speak. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot with German. This is why, for example, French is a nightmare for me because you never pronounce anything the way you, you write it. So mm-hmm. English isn't so easy on that either. I think I think Japanese is the most like it, it's written as it's pronounced. What's pronounced as it's written. I think I could be wrong on that, but um, Japanese is also an interesting language. It's a lot of like three syllables, but that's that's all I know about language. Um, I'm still learning English. 